Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Welcome to Further in Christendom. I'm your host, Tyler McNabb, and I'm here today with a special guest, Jimmy Aiken. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Thank you for having me, Tyler. Great to have you on here. Uh, for those who don't know, we've, we've we've done a couple of talks together on uh, Cameron Bertuzzi's YouTube channel, uh, both on Aliens and Oppenheimer, <laughs> mm-hmm. the movie. Right? Mm-hmm. So we, we've had some fun discourse uh, in the past, and yeah, I just thought I'd go ahead and invite Jimmy to come on. Jimmy is just walking encyclopedia and has lots of information about whatever you want to know. Like it could be the most like um, uh, minute or niche thing in the world. And, and Jimmy has an opinion on it and he's read a book on it. So, well, maybe, but I do the <laughs> best I can. So it's it's awesome to have Jimmy on here. Um, so, yeah, Jimmy, I'm going to ask, just kind of start off. Let's, let's talk about aliens. Um, okay. Why might someone believe that aliens exist? Well, there are a number of possible grounds for it. Um, One of them goes back considerably far in history. Um, You know, in the ancient world, it was not understood exactly how big the cosmos is or what the stars are. Um, In the, for example, in the, uh, in the Ptolemaic um, understanding of the cosmos, you had the earth at the center based on Aristotle's theory that uh, matter seeks its its relevant point in the cosmos. And since the element of Earth was the heaviest of all the elements, that would gravitate. They didn't have the concept of gravity, but that would end up in the center. And then around that, you'd have the water, which is where we get the oceans. And around that, you'd have the uh, air, um, which is the atmosphere. And then around that, you'd have a, a, a sphere of fire. And then beyond that, you had this eternal realm where there didn't really seem to be a lot of change. Everything happened very regularly in space. And so they believed that um, that some, not everybody, but some people believed that there was another element called ether that was found in outer space and that that's what the stars and the planets were made out of. Originally, it was not understood that there was a difference between stars and planets, except for the fact that planets move in an unusual way. Because when you look up in the sky at night, what you see is points of light. You know, you got a big point of light in the moon and you have other points of light. And what they noticed is that some of these points of light moved in regular ways. What are called the fixed stars um, basically rotate around the earth in concentric circles around the pole. So in the Northern Hemisphere, you've got Polaris as the pole star, and everything looks like it's just going around Polaris in orderly circles. But they noticed that there were um, seven bodies that didn't do that, that didn't just orbit around Polaris every day. These seven bodies seem to wander against the background of the fixed stars. And so they became known as wanderers, or in Greek, planetes, which is where we get the word planet from. So the classical seven planets were the sun and the moon, and also Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. 
And those are the only ones that can be viewed with the naked eye. And they, it was thought in Ptolemaic cosmology that the Earth is at the center, and then surrounding the Earth are a series of basically concentric shells that contain the different planets. And the outermost sphere is just beyond the orbit of Saturn, and it's the sphere that contains the fixed stars. And so the conception of the universe was, as a, by our standards, a pretty small place, um, it, just a little bit bigger than the orbit of Saturn. Now, there were individuals who tried to calculate the size of the universe. Uh, for example, there was a very famous work written in the ancient world called The Sand Reckoner, which sought to estimate how many grains of sand you would reckon there would need to be to fill up the universe and how big it would be. And even on that estimate, which was rather generous for the ancient world, it was only about like two light years across. And that was pretty generous for the ancient world. A lot of people thought it was much smaller than that. So given that how small everybody thought outer space was, there wasn't a lot of room in it for extraterrestrials, although that didn't stop there from being speculation about this. Uh, for example, it sometimes can, there's was another ancient work written in the Greek world uh, called A True History. That's one of the ways its names is translated. Um, and it's considered by some to be like the earliest work of science fiction that we have, where you have some sailors from Earth and they get in a boat and they're sailing across the, she the sea and they go up in a water spout and they meet the inhabitants of the moon and they get into a, they assist the inhabitants of the moon in a war with the king of the sun and they go to Venus and stuff like that and they meet strange people and strange creatures. So even on this small understanding of the cosmos, there was speculation about maybe there could be other intelligent creatures up there. And then during over the course of the last 2000 years, Ptolemaic cosmology got severely modified. Um, it was realized, for example, uh, when when they started doing calculations of the orbits of comets, which were initially thought to be things that were happening in our atmosphere, turned out they weren't happening in our atmosphere. They were happening in outer space. And that meant there couldn't be any, these crystal spheres because the comets would smash them. And so they realized, that, okay, there aren't any spheres up there. And over the course of time, we got better and better telescopes, particularly in the 19th century, that allowed us to, to determine how far away some of the stars are by using parallaxes. Um, you can see a parallax. A parallax is basically the shift, the apparent shift of position of an object, depending on your viewpoint. And so if you stick out your thumb and look at what's behind it with one eye closed and then switch to the other eye closed, it looks like your thumb has moved a little bit against the background. And that's a parallax shift. And depending on where the Earth is in its orbit, you can take a measurement of where a star is in the sky and what's behind it. And then six months later, when the Earth is on the opposite side of the sun, you take another sighting on that star, you look at what's in the background, you observe the parallax shift of the star, and you can tell how far away the star is. So we started to get a much better understanding of how big the cosmos is. We also got a much better understanding of how big the planets are. They're not just little points of light. Um, and eventually, it was realized, and this is only 100 years old, it was, we got the current model 
of the cosmos, which is we live in a galaxy, which we call the Milky Way, and it's surrounded by a vast sea of galaxies that stretch billions of light years of distance from us. The current uh, diameter of the observable universe is like 92 million, 92 billion light years. And we have reason to, to believe that the actual physical universe is much larger than that uh, for reasons I don't need to go into. But as these discoveries got made, you realize people began to realize, okay, planets are big. There are loads of stars. A lot of them are like our sun. They're likely to have planets too. And it naturally raised the question, are all those empty? You know, or, why would God make a huge, enormous, empty universe with only us in it? And we knew he made other intelligent beings because he made the angels. So you had Christians going back hundreds of years speculating that there may be extraterrestrial intelligences that God made elsewhere. Um, so that's kind of one line of of reasoning. And you have similar modern lines of reasoning that don't even occur in a Christian context where people note how big the universe is and well, if life arose here with or without a creator, what are the odds it would arise elsewhere with or without a creator? And so you have secularists also speculating on it based on, you know, what we know about other planets and uh, their chemistry and their, their, the conditions on them, you know, how far away from their stars they are and so forth. Um, and then there's kind of another line of evidence, which is people have been seeing UFOs uh, for a little more than 100 years. Uh, there have been reports of strange craft in our sky that have been observed and photographs have been taken of them and there's been study of them. And some of them, although many, many of them can be explained naturally, some of them display flight characteristics that we don't know how to duplicate. Yeah, what do you think of the the recent stuff that's been going on with the government and the accusations about maybe it having a UFO programming a program and even having like UFOs uh, or at least uh, not of this world technology that we need to like that we're trying to like reverse engineer and that sort of thing. What what, what are your thoughts about? Is there anything to this? Well, I'll give you that in a moment, but I just wanted to tie up the fact yeah, okay, that, um, that there's this additional line of evidence that has been proposed, which is maybe we're having visitors and that's what explains the UFO phenomena. And that's another reason that people have speculated about maybe there are aliens out there. So there are several different historical reasons for this, some of which go back centuries. In terms of is there a, a government crash retrieval program or a reverse engineering program, well, we do know that the government has programs to recover foreign technology. Um, you know, there have been a, a bunch of incidents of that with us capturing, for example, during the Cold War, Russian technology, or before that, during World War II, capturing German technology. And so there, there are programs to capture and reverse engineer technology from other sources. The question is, is any of it extraterrestrial in nature? And there have been a bunch of people who have claimed that some of it is. Um, this goes back a number of years. For example, just to cite one example, in the 1980s, there was a gentleman named Bob Lazar who apparently did work at Area 51 in Nevada, 
And he claimed that uh, that at Area 51 and an associated facility called S4 in the Nevada desert, that they had UFOs that had crashed and been retrieved and that they were working on reverse engineering. I don't think Bob Lazar is a particularly credible person. Uh, I think there are problems with his claims. Uh, but there have been others who have claimed the same things. Most recently, uh, David Grush, uh, of, who was part of the uh, Defense Department agency that is tasked with looking into what does the government know about UFOs, and it was tasked with surveying different parts of the government to say, hey, do you have any records about UFOs? If so, you need to share them with us so they can have congressional oversight. And he claimed that he was told that we, by various people, that we did have a crash retrieval reverse engineering program that had as many as 12 crashed or abandoned UFOs, as well as biological materials, presumably the remains of pilots that had been recovered with these. And when he tried to look into those programs, he got stonewalled. So he he acted as a whistleblower to say there are departments uh, that are evading congressional oversight. He formed an official complaint with the Office of the Inspector General, and he claims that he received punitive action as a result of that. And so he ended up leaving the government to be able to talk about it publicly and he still has a complaint of, of experiencing uh, retribution for his actions in defiance of government uh, whistleblower protection laws. And so that's currently playing out. Congress has taken an interest in it. I, Grush seems to be sincere, but he's not an eyewitness of any of this stuff. He's, he's just reporting what he's been told. And there have been previous claims, like during the 1980s, there was a set of documents that were released to the ufological community known as the Majestic 12 or MJ-12 documents that made similar claims. But it later turned out it looks like the MJ-12 documents are all fake. And it looks like they may have been released at the time they were in the late 1980s as a psychological operation against the Soviet Union, saying because they were very unstable at the time. Uh, you know, we were actually came close to nuclear war several times in the 1980s. The Soviet leadership was unstable, and it looks like this may have been part of an effort to say, hey, maybe you don't want to start a war with the Americans because they've got alien technology, and they've right. even got a treaty with aliens, so they've got alien allies. So don't mess with the Americans. And now Russia's invaded Ukraine, and Putin has been nuclear saber-rattling, saber and all of a sudden we get similar claims being made. So I don't know whether they're true or not. We need to, you know, we need to dig into it, and Congress or someone would need to penetrate these programs and see if there's any substance to these claims. But um, but that hasn't been done yet. So I really can't form an opinion on this, but I'm suspicious. Right. Though I will say Rubio, uh, who has um, heard from eyewitness uh, testimonies there, um, he, it's, he's sort of just baffled. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen those comments. He's just kind of like, oh, I have no idea what's going on here. It's, it's mm -hmm. quite strange. Um, all right. Well, what about um, kind of just Christianity in general? Um, do you find that uh, aliens, like the, the existence of aliens, brings any kind of worldview tension 
within Christianity? I don't I don't see it as posing any fundamental tension. Obviously, extraterrestrial biological life forms are not discussed in scripture or by the church fathers, so they're not part of public revelation and that okay, so I can say that with confidence, but um but if it turned out they exist, well would that be a problem for Christianity? I don't see why it would. Um you know, prior to we've already been through this experience kind of once because Christianity was based in the old world, you know, in Europe and Asia and Africa. And they had debates um, in the Middle Ages about could there be people on the other side of the world? Because they knew the, the world was a sphere that had been known since the time of the Greeks. And so, well, there's another side of the world that we're not on. So could there be antipodans, people at the antipodes who have the soles of their feet turned towards the soles of our feet? And they would have debates about this in the Middle Ages. And some people took the position, no, there there can't be any antipodans because they wouldn't be descended from Adam and things like that. And they posed theological arguments like that. And, you know, they're not mentioned in public revelation. We don't have... Native Americans mentioned in the Bible or in the church fathers. So you had some people saying, no, they're assuming God would have told us about them if they existed. Surprise, they do exist and God (laughs) didn't tell us about them. And now you and I live in the new world. Right. So, um, So if God didn't even tell us about all the people on our own planet, why would we think he would tell us about other people who don't even live on our own planet? And so um, I think the same thing could replicate. It could be there are other people on other planets and God just hadn't told us about them. So I think that's a flawed assumption. No, I really like that analogy. Um, Chad and I tried to bring that up a little bit in um, our paper that we wrote. Uh, Mm -hmm. We ended up saying that, you know, if the Bible is supposed to be a love letter to humanity, (laughs) uh, it's not surprising that... uh, you know, God doesn't mention others, <laughs> other lovers, so to speak, within the love letter to us. Or as I'd put it, other children. Right. Because if it turns out other intelligent biological life forms exist, they're just other children of God. They may be good children or bad children, but they just be other children. Right. Right. Um, what about specifically with the atonement and incarnation? Um, do you, how, how do you see this playing out? Uh, what are the options in front of us? There are a bunch of options, um, and I explore them in an episode of Mysterious Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World, which is a podcast I do on mysterious topics. If people want to look up the episode where I spend a whole episode talking about yeah. this, it's episode 55. So you can get to it by going to mysterious.fm, like FM radio, slash 55. So mysterious.fm slash 55. And what all we can say with confidence is the Son of God became incarnate here and redeemed us. We don't know what arrangements, if any, God has made for extraterrestrials. It could be, as C.S. Lewis explores in um, his space trilogy, that some extraterrestrials are not fallen and don't need redemption. It could be, as St. Peter and St. Jude mentioned that they did fall and God didn't choose to redeem them, just like he chose not to redeem angels that fell. Um, It could be mentions that God could choose to redeem us in any way he, he decided. So he didn't have to redeem us through his son dying on a cross. He 
done it in any way. It could be God has redeemed them through some other way. It could be, since Christ's sacrifice on the cross here was of infinite value, that God has chosen to make those merits applicable to extraterrestrials, and they could be saved through Christ's death on a cross in AD 33. Or one of the things a lot of people wonder about is, like in that episode of Star Trek, Bread and Circuses, where they find a Roman Empire that has sun worshipers, meaning worshipers of the Son of God, not the sun in the sky, could be Christ or one of the other persons of the Holy Trinity incarnated on another planet and redeemed them there. This is another thing that Aquinas talks about. He talks about how just because Jesus became incarnated, just because the Son became incarnated as Jesus, it doesn't mean that it's the only incarnation of Jesus. He's omnipotent. He can take on as many natures as he chooses. And so if it was God's plan for the Son of God to incarnate elsewhere besides as Jesus of Nazareth, he can do that. He hasn't told us about it if he has, but he could do it. And Aquinas says the same thing is true of the other two persons of the Holy Trinity because they're all co-equal. They're all omnipotent. And so all three persons can incarnate as many times as they choose to as part of the divine plan. Right. Yeah. Chad and I also, just for those who are watching who are interested in this, also flesh this out um, in our paper. Um, so I, I recommend hearing Jimmy's, uh, watching Jimmy's uh, podcast. And then, and then and maybe if you like that a lot still, then, you know, the paper as well might be of interest. Um, yeah, I, I personally, um, I kind of just expect, I'm, I'm kind of expecting the latter, right? So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of like if if we find out that ETI exists for sure and uh we're able to tap into their culture or their uh writings I'm totally expecting incarnation stories. I don't have much to go off uh except I don't know, it's just like kind of like this this intuition I don't know uh the background factors that are making me think this but I just kind of had this intuition that uh, I'm going to expect incarnation stories and if I don't see them well then then I'm inclined to think perhaps either they're not fallen or um uh the other two options mentioned uh are are what's going on here either that mm-hmm. um price merits can apply to them or uh that uh maybe he has his own way of of his own economy uh to to deal with um the ETI mm-hmm. but um all right well, wh- why do you think this is when Chad and I were writing our paper we were so puzzled um because we kept on hearing back from other Christians that aliens definitely don't exist. Mm-hmm. The UFO stuff that you see, maybe it's real. But if it is real, it's not aliens, it's demons. Mm-hmm. And we were really puzzled when we were writing the paper. We were just like, why are so many people constantly saying aliens don't exist, it's demons? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any, can you shed any light on uh, why you think this might be? Well, there there are sort of two ways of approaching it. One is what would lead to the formulation of this theory. And the second is what evidence is there for the theory. And the second in, you know, what evidence is there for it or against it, that's a big topic, which we wouldn't have time to do in the space allotted today. But I do have an episode of Mysterious World coming up where I I go through the evidence. Um, In terms of, of what would lead one to formulate the theory, I think it's, I, now, some people might try to 
answer that question on psychological grounds. Well, you know, what is it about the psychology of these people that would lead to this them to propose this? Right. And and I never like psychologizing people's positions. Uh, I believe you want to take them seriously. Right. But in broad strokes, in if I were of this position, what I would say is, well, um, it it seems to me that if extraterrestrials existed that God would have told us about them, and he hasn't told us about them, therefore they don't exist. So then how do we explain this UFO phenomena? If it's doing stuff we can't, you know, if it's not all misidentified aircraft and the planet Venus and stuff like that, if there, if there are UFO encounters that don't have a natural explanation then we need to turn, and and it can't be aliens because God would have told us about them. Then we need to try to explain it in terms of what God has told us about. And God has told us about angels and demons. And so we need to look to them to explain the, the reported sightings of UFOs and alien abductions and so forth. And since some of them are frightening and demons are frightening, um, we can propose that they're demons and they're trying to trick us into believing in aliens, even though that's contrary to God's plan. And so it's part of a demonic deception. So I would kind of sketch it out on those grounds. I think that the argument, uh, while potentially sound, depending on how you frame it, ultimately ends up not being a, or I'm sorry, while potentially valid in form is ultimately not sound because it makes assumptions that are mistaken. The most important one being that if there are other people out there, God would have told us about them. And we've already seen that that's not true. So, and especially on like a classical theism, like if you think God is not another being, but rather being itself. Right. And you think that, you know, uh, I'm more closely linked to say my three-year-old, two-year-old child than I am. Uh, and a more uh, my cognitive faculties are more similar to his than say to God. <laughs> um, God doesn't have faculties, you know, um, uh, at least not in any sort of univocal way, even divine simplicity. And you just think God is like kind of completely other. Then it's just like, what makes us think we're in the position to judge what God would or wouldn't um, include in his love letter for us, you know, it just seems 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 like we're not. It's beyond our kin. We're not. We're not in the the cognitive position to make that sort of assessment. Yeah, and there are other assumptions that are buried in the line of argument I just sketched out, but they're also problematic. The big one is the central one is that if aliens exist, God would have told us, and I think we already have good evidence that that's just not true. Right. When you think about the purposes of the Bible and how God didn't even tell us about everybody who's here on Earth, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you said yeah, that that podcast will come out in November. Is that right? um, no, in October. October. Wonderful. Okay, even better. Um, all right. Well, before we end this conversation, what are you working on right now? Well, I'm working on any number of things. Um, we always have some degree of UFO content as part of the mix on Mysterious World. So we have some other related episodes coming up that deal with this area. Um, also, I'm currently for Mysterious World, I'm working on a script about negative or distressing near-death experiences. Mm. Um, a lot of near-death experiences are reported to be positive. 
Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have heard about the positive ones, but NDE researchers have actually come to realize that as many as one in five NDEs is actually negative. Wow. Not all of them are directly hell. Right. Some of, some of them are, um, but we're going to be having an episode on negative NDEs. Uh, I'm also doing a longer term project on, um, on demons and exorcism. Uh, so in addition to the Are Aliens Demons episode that I have coming up, um, I also am planning to do other episodes related to demons and exorcism and have some very interesting eye-opening things to say. Among them, exorcists and demonologists are not infallible, and sometimes they do things they shouldn't. And so yeah. we're going to be talking about that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That, that, that all sounds very, very interesting, Jimmy. Um, well, what, uh, if you go ahead and tell us one more time um, the, the website. Yeah, for Mysterious World, it's mysterious.fm. And uh, if you have a particular episode you know the number of, like episode 55, you just put in slash and the number. So if you want to listen to the extraterrestrial intelligence and theology episode, it would be mysterious.fm slash five five also you can go to my youtube channel youtube.com slash jimmy aiken where i have a video version of the podcast and the video can add quite a bit so i encourage you to check it out uh my youtube channel which again is mysterious uh, youtube.com slash jimmy aiken is also a hub for my uh, video activity so you can see my appearances on catholic answers live you can see interviews i do with other youtubers you can see um mysterious world there so i'd encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell notification so that you always get notified whenever i have a new video out usually they're they're a minimum of two a week usually more than that wonderful all right jimmy well thank you so much for joining us today and look forward to talking with you in the future yeah thank you so much Mm -hmm.